Scott and Liam versus Evil. So we are three days removed from our two-year anniversary. Happy anniversary, baby. Happy anniversary. I was going to write you a nice wee poem and stuff, but um, I've just not had the time. Aww. But really? I have got you. I have. I have bought some sexy underwear to wear for you next time I see you. Have you got it on just now? Yeah, I'm trying it on just now. I've I've laid myself down on the bed like uh, Kate Winslet in Titanic. Ah, describe it. Well, I'm, I'm I don't have a jewel on, but I'm wearing my sexy underwear and it's uh, pushing up my breasts very nicely. So I think you would be aroused. Uh, I, I, to be honest, nine times out of ten in general life, I'm aroused. So I probably yeah. <laughs> I'm not even wearing pants right now. How aroused are you? No restrictions. No restrictions at all. It feels wonderful. Although I do have a cat, <laughs> I do have a cat walking about that is in severe need of his claws getting trimmed. So, uh, <laughs> so that's, a, that's a that's a big restriction. Yeah, I've got a funny feeling that uh, my sack is going to get torn clean open. <laughs> uh, welcome to Scott and Liam versus Evil two year anniversary fright fest bumper party edition. I'm Liam. And I'm Scott. And can you believe it's been two years? I actually can't. I can still remember being in Robbie's flat for his birthday when we just decided it. And everybody at the time told us, nah, don't do that, guys. And we were like, no, we've got to do it. And it turns out we're actually quite good at it. Well, <laughs> well. it t- turns out that some people actually want to listen <laughs> yeah. to it, whether we're good or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't even remember that. Is that where we were? Yeah, yep. We were sitting in his flat. I can't remember which birthday it was, but two years ago, however old it is now, two years ago. Um, and we were, yep, we're sitting in his flat. I don't think I was drinking. I think I was driving. You were drinking. And we came up with this idea. You said, oh, there's actually a thing called podcast. You just record yourself talking and then put it up online. And I was like, we should totally do this. <laughs> that, that's quite upsetting. If I only said that two years ago and at Fright Fest we found <laughs> out that B- Boz from Little Poddy Horrors has been podcasting for 12 years. <laughs> so we are so, so behind the times that two years ago I I realised there was a thing called podcasts. Do you know, it's it's, it's the way I live my life, man. I'm uh, like the, my style um, ways, I'm either like one week behind or one year ahead like I'm never I'm either so so ahead or so late and when I say a one year ahead that's not me sounding cool because when I do it nobody knows and by the time people do do it I'm forgotten about so it's uh, it's how I live my life it's actually you've got age as an excuse because <laughs> when you're like in your late 40s 50s uh, you're allowed to be behind the times do you know what see if I still look just look like this and when I'm in my 40s and 50s I'll be happy You've had a fucking hard paper round. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about Freyfest. We just spent two days in a lovely little cinema in Glasgow in amongst the snowpocalypse, which has attacked the UK and Scotland. And did you enjoy yourself, Scott? Yeah, I really had a really good time. I always have a good time. It is my, it's like my favourite um, weekend of the year. And you know what? Like, we've only been going for the last two, three years, but that's the, that's the thing as well. Like... Frightfest has been going for fucking like nearly 15 years, but we only found out about it two years yeah, ago. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, so, like, I, it's it's one of those things as well. Like, I'm not entirely sure. I think I maybe picked somebody up wrong that they sent the London 
version that happens in the August yeah. Bank Holiday has been going for like say 15 years I don't know how long the Glasgow one's been going for it might not be as long it might might actually be 15 years I might it might be uh, but certainly we only found out about it recently but in terms of like community the the, the, the hosts um, are, are get right involved in the whole the whole thing and the uh, and the, the whole audience they like half of them travel up from London to come to Glasgow for this weekend and a bunch of them couldn't make it this time uh, because of the weather but it's it's a proper community like it's it's 80% the same faces every year that's a sweeping statement of England saying that they'll come up I realised that I did realise that I think there's more than one one place <laughs> place in England I did realise that after I said that sorry English <laughs> <laughs> so they all came from London and then Scotland they all come from Glasgow yeah, that's how it works uh, what, how would you rate this year's Fight Fest compared to the past two or three years? I think... In fact, the, the, the way you rate things, how would you compare it to the last 15? Because <laughs> even though you never went, you, you've probably still got a fucking star rating for them. I, I, think, I think this year was, was really quite strong. Um, however, I felt as if it was a lot quicker than years previous. I don't know if that's because I, like the, the movies were very enjoyable. They were more geared towards horror that I didn't feel as if I was spending that much time or if it was because we had got the aisle seats so or you know we were stretched legs out or if it was the fact that through a couple of different scenarios I missed like four films so maybe that's why I felt as if I wasn't there as much so I'm, I'm not sure but I felt as if it was a quicker weekend than than I have known in the past but I certainly still loved it so this year was was actually really quite good in terms of movies anyway Aye, I definitely I definitely agree. I, I felt it was quicker as well, and it probably was just because I didn't know what to take my legs off and beat myself yeah. over the head. I also didn't spank any red wine, which has uh, ruined the, the two-year tradition. So I know. That's actually quite upsetting. Yeah, I'm quite disappointed about that. Also, GFT have now got five boxes of red wine that they can't get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting this. <laughs> uh, so... Fright Fest started, uh, well, kicked off on Thursday night with the UK premiere of, or world premiere of Ghost Stories. Yep. And a viewing of an Irish horror film called The Lodgers. Neither of us could make it because of Snowmageddon. Well, um, because of Snowmageddon, The Lodgers was cancelled. It was only Ghost Stories that played. So it was. Uh, yep. And none of these could make ghost stories which was yep. upsetting because yeah. the trailer for that looked really good it's got Martin Freeman and uh, a guy who I thought looked like Ben Wheatley <laughs> and on the Saturday night told Scott that oh that's Andy Nyman over there the guy that looks like Ben Wheatley only to find out much to the fucking amusement of Scott <laughs> and Lena and Lorne that it was actually Ben Wheatley <laughs> I didn't see who you were pointing to because I would have told you that it definitely wasn't Andy Nyman because I know what he looks like. <laughs> Would you have told me that it was definitely was Ben <laughs> So we missed Thursday so we can't comment on those movies. I'm sure they were brilliant. Let's yeah, I think Ghost Stories is, is going to be good. Um, yep. And I hope to find find a copy of the Lodgers and maybe like maybe that'll get a release and we can get our, our eyes on that as well because that's one of the ones that's one of the kind of less known. I think Ghost Stories will get a cinema release. It's certainly in the UK, um, so Lodgers might be harder to find. But yeah, I, I want to get my eyes on both of those films at some point. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's getting a a world release um, at the end of March or April for oh, Ghost good. Stories. Good. Uh, so we'll definitely be able to see that. So Friday kicked off uh, at 1.30 in the afternoon with a movie called The Wanderers, The Quest of the Demon Hunter. It is directed by Dragos Beliga and 
It starred Armando Sante, although I had no idea who that was until Duncan from Podcast Under the Stairs kind of filled me in that it's, he was Judge Dredd's brother in the Sylvester Sloan Dredd movie, which I still can't fucking remember. You can't remember the actor or you can't remember, the, you can't remember that movie? I remember the movie. I remember Sylvester Sloan being in the movie and I remember... Uh, Oh, what's his face? The wee comedian that was in like the animal and Ben Stiller movies. Uh, anyway, whatever his name is, I remember he was in it. But Armando Santi, I do not remember at all. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> so, uh, the synopsis off of Fright Fest is Louis, played by Armando Santi, is the most famous ghost and demon hunter in the world. The hardened American has travelled with Robert an Israeli journalist played by Lior Ashkenazi who was brilliant in Big Bad Wolves which you can watch on Shudder I thoroughly enjoyed that uh, to investigate a mysterious event that happened at the infamous Zaleski Castle an imposing edifice towering over a village drenched in bloody history joined by a Romanian guide and a Korean television reality show team the duo attempt to untangle the evil secrets lurking at the dark heart of this frightened community this movie was a crock of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it? No, I, I missed it, yes, yes. Do you want me to tell you the story just now why I missed it? Yeah, go for it. Well, heading into Fright Fest, we were driving to Lauren's mum's to drop the dog off because it's too long a day to, to leave him in the house, so he was getting babysat for the weekend. And uh, it obviously snowed a lot, and Betty Big Boss, me, is like, no, it's fine, I'm happy driving the snow, I can pull some skiddies going around roundabouts and all that, it's fine, I'm for shots, I can drive in the snow, no bother. Get on the main roads. The definition of skiddies, please. <laughs> Pulling the handbrake, you know, cruising, drifting, drifting. drifting. Uh, so I drive on the main roads, they're all fine. I get to, to um, where Lauren's mum's from and she says, uh, my mum will come and meet us at the cross. And I was like, no, it's fine, I can drive, I'll make it up to the house, no bother. Drive onto a side road, a taxi stops in front of me and kills my, my momentum and then the car just would not move from then on. To the point that I actually got stuck in like a wee bit of waste ground because I tried to do a three-point turn, which just didn't happen. And Lauren says, oh, I think that's us missed the first movie. I was like, the first movie? That's us missed them all. That's it. We're <laughs> fucked. That's, this is where we live now. We live here. That's it. And I was just getting so frustrated and so irate that uh, our mum walked down to meet us, took the dog off us, and she knew one of the neighbours that, uh, that, that lived in that street, and she got a shovel, and I had to dig my car out. Like, I physically was out digging my car out of the snow while you're sitting comfy in your ass watching The Wanderers. <laughs> See, after watching The Wonders, <laughs> I'd honestly, I'd rather have been out digging my car out of the snow. Uh, it, the movie started off quite well. We actually walked in a few minutes late, much to the dismay of probably everyone that we walked past. And it, it just, it was, it was all over the place. It didn't know whether it was trying to be funny, trying to be scary, trying to be serious, trying to be South Korean for some fucking <laughs> unknown reason. It wasn't good. It was just a mixture. It was as if somebody had took five to ten ideas, threw them off a wall to see what like stuck. Yeah. And nothing stuck. So they took another five ideas and threw them at the wall, and again nothing stuck. And then they threw another five ideas and two Korea South Korean journalists stuck. <laughs> and they thought, all right, we'll, we'll keep that in, even though that goes absolutely nowhere. And it just it wasn't. I would never watch it again. I'd never buy it. I'd never, I'd never recommend it. Although it was shot well, looked it looked good. And I, as I was watching, it, I was like, oh shit! I wonder if it's just me that really isn't understanding this film. 
But then after, I spoke to everyone and it turns out that no, nobody understood it. Yeah, that was the kind of consensus when she's came out that it was just like, like there was no point, there was no flow, there was no nothing. They asked questions, never answered them, asked more questions. And then by the end of it, you're like, what the fuck has just happened? Literally, it's just, it's a hard thing to explain. If you go, if you're going to go to the ballery making a fucking feature length movie, at some point, surely someone in that team has went, by the way, eh, Dragos or Dragos, this isn't actually making sense. Yeah, you would think. No, you would think so. But how many, how many um, movies does it happen in that that it look you like? Who the hell signed off on this? And you're like, this doesn't actually make any sense. Like, I don't understand it. For me, it got a a four out of ten. And actually, I, I think I'm dropping that to a three, and it only get three points for how it looked, yeah. and also for uh, Leon Ashkenazi because he was brilliant. In it. He's a really good actor. I really. I'd like to see more shit that he comes out with. Uh, but Armando Santi, unless he's going to get dubbed over by someone that can actually speak, I'm not really interested in watching anything else he does. I don't know who the actors are, but I won't watch them in The Wanderers, certainly not after your uh, <laughs> your uh, description and your review of it. You probably should watch it just to see you've seen it, because maybe it'll like, really tickle your fancy. I doubt it. Maybe but. if if it gets like a Sky Movies release or something at some point, and I'm and I'm in and I'm doing nothing else, then I maybe uh, I'll do it. But I'm not going to I'm not going to seek it out. If they brought it out with subtitles, I'd watch it again. Maybe to find out like eighty five percent of the plot that I missed. That could be quite good. Yeah. On oh, that, it gets a thumbs down. Yeah. Uh, we then moved on to well, you arrived. Uh, fashionably late covered yes. in snow yep. and we go into Attack of the Bat Monsters oh yeah I was trying to think I was trying to think what, how did we get to what was I saw it was Attack of the Bat Monsters was first that's right Love it. Uh, it was the world premiere and directed by Kelly Green kind of I'll read the synopsis it kind of sums it all up uh-huh. join schlock impresario Francis Gordon as his intrepid crew attempt to shoot an impromptu monster movie in the three days left over from the film they've just wrapped from the Saul Bass opening title homage to its highly authentic comic evocation of 1950s grade Z grindhouse this was lost when it was made in 1999 but ace restorer Mark Rance who brought Toby Hooper's eggshells to Fright Fest in 2010 found it in his lovingly refurbished it under writer-director Kelly Green's supervision. What do you think of Attack of the Bat Monsters? Loved it. It was fucking brilliant. It really was. I, I think that they, they hit the nail on the head of like where their comedy is at and, and what kind of tone they were taking on the look back at um, 50s um, monster movies. And I'm not really a massive fan of them, but I kind of know that I get the gist. So the jokes they're making about the, you know, when the woman, the girl character was falling over almost without even being touched and uh, all these kind of silly me jokes and then like making, like she's teaching another girl how to sprain the ankle and then fall over and scream. And it's and it like, you get all that, you don't need to be a, a monster movie fan to appreciate this this movie then the take on it I thought it was done really really well aye you hit the nail right in the head there everything about it just landed perfect the jokes were never over the top so it felt like a a kind of spoof scary movie Uh type thing of 50s movies it felt like it was a a a respectful comedic nudge 
nudge, yeah. nudge, <laughs> a respectful comedic nod to the old 50s uh, sci-fi films and it was great. The whole audience were all laughing together. The poster and the, the opening title, which I think were done by Kelly Green's daughter. Yeah, she said, yep. Yeah, she'd made it to yeah. Fest because her dad and everyone else out with London and Glasgow apparently <laughs> couldn't get to Fight Fest because of the snow. Yeah, and they, they even had there was there was a, a scene in it. So the the is they're working through this, trying to get this um, attack of the bat monsters to happen in the last three days of the shoot because they've, they've got some time left over. They need to up the scales because now the Europeans are wanting more boobs and the uh, and this is so they're, they're like also oh, now we can't even just show a bra we need to show some boobs we need to show some nipples to keep up with everybody else and they're like how are we going to manage that so they, they've got some strippers I think it is or some dancing girls to, to do a dancing act and then they, there's a hilarious scene involving this brand new invention gaffer tape that um that takes them out the equation for showing their boobs so he has to take his lead actress and there's a scene where he where he says to her I'm going to need you to um, show more than your bra this time. I'm going to need to show your nipples. And she says something along the lines of, no, I'm not doing it. And he says, well, you won't ever make another film in this town again. And it's like, wow, that is so current. But I felt that that it was a, would have been handled slightly differently if it was made today. Because uh, obviously it was made in the 90s and restored to be played just now. But it was because obviously this... People knew that the kind of Harvey Weinstein stuff was happening, but to whatever extent, however much people were brushed under the carpet or however much people were just accepting that's what happened, people like Seth MacFarlane, who have been making jokes in Family Guy for years of kind of pointing at this kind of thing does happen, but like this movie is, is pretty much saying exactly what is the sexual abuse that is that, that women are facing in the, this, this specific industry. Yeah. But while the, the side... Of the joke would still be on the same side. It would be, I think I, I don't know how. It would be, I think I feel as if it just been played slightly differently because the, I think they would, they would acknowledge that it is all came to light rather than poking fun at the fact that this is what happens. You know, they'd probably they'd probably have acknowledged that it, it's wrong. Like they would have gave you another kind of joke to emphasize just how yeah. bad yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. rather than just play it that it happens. Yeah. I agree. What would you give Attack of the Bat Monsters? Which I don't know if. I don't know if that'll ever get a, a stream release yeah, yeah. or DVD. I hope yeah. it does, but the fact that it's lay there for 20 years, I, I don't really... The fact that that is lay there for 20 years and we've only just seen Patchwork getting released uh, from two years ago, which was amazing, doesn't give me hope that this will come out anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, I know. I, um, I think that I would give this... Um, you know, I really did quite enjoy it, so I'd probably give it... Um, eight gaffer tape nipples out of ten. Out of ten gaffer tape nipples? Yes. So that's one set of tits away from ten. That's it. <laughs> uh, I'd give it an eight as well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Saul Bass poster had me straight away because I love my design stuff. And yeah, absolutely brilliant. Gutted that the director couldn't be there to see like just how much everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, you know sometimes at Fright Fest you get the feeling that even if the movie's like average or below average people maybe praise it more than it like, give it more praise than it should just yep. because the director or the actor or somebody's sitting a few seats away from you yeah this everyone everyone fucking ate up and loved and 
for it was only his daughter that was there and she was only there for a small period of time so it generally was for natural enjoyment as yeah. opposed to uh, a front uh, so next up I can't actually remember what we're doing between movies like kind of jumping out for a bite to eat or a drink I can't remember what we did between like each set between Bat Monsters and the next movie which I believe is Ravenous we went to campus Oh, did we? Yeah, because we because we were sitting in campus, we had um, got our like our food, our chicken wings and our chips and that, and we got our pints, and then we got second pints, and then we were like saying, oh, it's four minutes until this movie starts. We were like, should we just... Because that morning, we realised that Ravenous was already uploaded to Netflix that day, and we thought, ah, should we just skip it and just keep having pints? Um, but then it was like a, a an unspoken agreement that we just tanned the pints and headed back and jumped in in time for Ravenous, which I, I fully fully am happy about because as we begin to talk about this movie it is it was a, an absolute gem it was directed by robin aubert and it starred mark andre grondon who some people might remember from the sean william scott movie the goon uh, mark andre was the french canadian ice hockey player that hates sean william scott and then at the end becomes friends with him i'm sorry if i've ruined the goon for you but it did come <laughs> out like fucking six years ago so deal with uh, it was a UK premiere, although as Scott said, it did come out after, like a f- it did come on a few hours after it came on Netflix, which was strange. Yeah, really strange. Uh, and the synopsis is: the zombie apocalypse has begun, but for the still human residents of rural Quebec, assistance of any governmental or community kind is zero. So lone survivors must figure things out for themselves, even if it means joining tentative forces and risking a hideous death. Uh, so yeah you enjoyed The Ravenous I really really did yes um, listeners to this podcast will know that I love post-apocalyptic movie horror movies I love zombie movies so this is like right up up there for me uh, these zombies do run um, so but they, I think it, I feel as if this movie is tweaked just enough that I'm on board with it it's they don't fully explain why the zombies are there now i might have missed a couple of things because it is subtitles i don't have a problem with subtitles but you can't read <laughs> sometimes sometimes um i maybe miss some information or not um so i don't think they don't explain why the zombies are there they don't explain um how the zombies uh, is it is it sight is it sound that they hear um are they communicating through their screams i think they are uh but they they also they also do this thing where they, they they all take chairs to the to a field and build this big fucking fuck off bonfire, which they never set in fire either, which is annoying. But so watch, I mean, there's, watch, there's, watch spoilers. Oh no, there's loads of spoilers, guys. Spoilers, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, yeah. right, everybody put a spoiler on at the start then. Aye. <laughs> we, should, we should maybe just build a spoiler warning into our intro the way Duncan does for the <laughs> podcast under the stairs because we just I cannot help but spoil things. I think that uh, I was going to say this one's probably the one you shouldn't spoil because it's on Netflix and people can still watch it. But if you uh, just put but up I've a, got so many good theories to right, see. It's fine. Right, we'll put it at the start that the there are spoilers and hopefully it won't turn people off. <laughs> Well, so guys, if you if you're listening to us, you do know that we're going to ruin everything that we possibly can. So, well, actually, sorry. to be to be fair, seeing that there's the the chair um, things in the in the middle of the the fields isn't really spoiling anything. Especially if I say that's not explained, because then people can watch it and not get too hung up on the chairs and just watch like the the characters kind of get through their their scenario from start to finish. 
Um, we there, there's there's a tiny wee bit of comedy in it from one of the characters, and that for me that works. But I remember Lauren says to me that that didn't work because she felt like, in the way that Bat Monsters was an out and out comedy, and it knew what it was supposed to be. Ravenous is a very bleak, bleak movie. That's that is a proper end of the world. It's it's not a good end of the world. It is, it is bleak, man. There is literally no chance you're surviving this thing. And one of the guys is cracking jokes, and in, well, after. I was fully on board with the jokes because I don't think they were I think they were one character trying to make light and keep a sort of sense of humour because um, he wasn't like a, a goofball as such he wasn't like fully cracking jokes he was telling one small wee joke to try and put a smile on the, pe- the person he was with or the people he was with yeah. so it fully it did work with me like you know like that bit of comedy in it yeah, because I think that would happen. I think in, I think humanity would survive in all different ways. You would have people who are angry, people who are scared, you'll have people who are trying to make light, you've got people who are resourceful, you'll have people who are fucking in a panic. You would have all of these different people in different yeah, places. Of course you would. Yeah. Sometimes you would have that in more than one like personality from one person, you know, in like different times. So Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to survive the apocalypse if nobody's allowed to crack a joke. Fuck that man, just just do me in when the world ends. Oh, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you'll do fuck. You'll do fucking. Well. <laughs> I, I I loved it. It felt it was as you say it was bleak in the comedy. Really, it it, it gave you a week and a a sigh, it, like, like no a, a bad sigh, but like a <sighs> yeah yeah. Hey, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, and I I really I thought it was acted brilliantly. Yeah, I thought a lot of the stuff it done. Like the trope, the zombie tropes, aye, it's all been done before, but this done it really well and respectfully and didn't draw it out for like fucking eight seasons. Uh, like some not to be mentioned TV program that's <sighs> fucking absolutely arse raped the zombie genre. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And if the, the Scott spoiler didn't spoil things, definitely go and check out Netflix. We put up in the group like to do it right after the movie and I've not heard anyone that hasn't enjoyed it yeah so. can I can I say about the post credit scene that's probably going to I just want to explain because I thought I think my my point was actually so good that I wanted to say it right, what, what to do is if if you're going to watch it and you really don't want to know what happens after the credits just turn off for 30 seconds no for a minute how, yeah. long, how long do you think uh, I think I can do it in a minute starting now okay so at the post credit sequence you see the field and it's the big um, chairs and it zooms in slowly towards that uh, the zombies are all kind of dotted about just standing still in small wee groups and that kind of happens throughout the movie uh, until they see or hear something you zoom into the, the chairs in the middle of the field you've got a, a parrot that's just kind of sitting on one of the chairs and it zooms right right into it um, and what I felt this was like is that a parrot will, will mimic others and I said the word repeats uh, in, at Fright Fest but what I meant to say was mimic and so maybe the first zombie took a, a, a chair into the field and then they just kept copying it kept mimicking it and that I feel as if that potentially could be the reason why they do it there's no actual reason they just mimic each other but what I did see is that everybody was ready to leave the, the theatre were all dotted standing around exactly like the zombies were in the film and I think that is the point and that point only really will happen in a cinema release you won't get that on an iPad screen and that has taken me one minute exactly is it a shite because now I can't comment on it but uh, <laughs> after, after, after you <laughs> after you said that at Fight Fest I I actually thought that is the most poignant 
well thought out, well constructed, intelligent thing that Scott has ever said. And ever will say. And ever will say. And I actually agree with you. Yeah. I think it was really good that you pointed that out. I'm just trying to be really nice to you because it's a two year anniversary and I don't want it just to be all about uh, sordid lovemaking. I want it to be about like the kind of flirting beforehand as well. Yeah, so some tenderness. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up was one that I was actually most looking forward to uh, it's called Cold Skin directed by uh, Xavier Gaines probably butchered that name <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he directed Frontiers which I'd watched about the same time as I watched the original Martyrs uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed and then he directed a movie called The Divide which is all about people in a bunker uh, after like a kind of nuclear breakout Oh wait, yeah, I've seen the divide was on Netflix, wasn't it? Uh, it may have been. I th- yeah, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. Did you watch it? I don't think I watched it. Oh, no, it's really good. But <laughs> after the first like twenty minutes, it fucking amps up and goes to like a, a level that's just nasty, like enjoyable but nasty. Uh, so I was really looking forward to this. So it was the UK premiere, uh, and it says at the dawn of the First World War, a young man named Friend played by David Oakes, arrives at a desolate Antarctic Circle Island to take the post of Weller Observer and where a race of amphibious humanoids emerge from the seas every night to besiege him and his rancorous lighthouse keeper companion, Gruner, played by Ray Stevenson. How much horror can a human heart endure? I can't believe that this year, 20% of my top 10 movies will involve humans fucking fish. <laughs> Now I've not, I've not seen The Shape of Water, so I don't know how much um, she fucks the fish man. But I can tell you what this guy in this movie properly fucks the fish person. <laughs> he does. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a it's a strange. It, actually, I feel bad for this coming out the same year as Shape of Water. I don't think anything will touch Shape of Water for how brilliant and beautiful a movie it is. Obviously, the kind of Oscar win backs that up. Uh, yeah. So I think this movie will get less appreciation than it deserves because of that. But this movie was fucking beautiful as well. I see. I'm trying to find um, somebody's uh, review of it after Fright Fest. I, I'm I'm trying to go back in the uh, Twitter to try and to see it. But it was quite a good roundup. Somebody said it was uh, Cold Skin. Is like uh, oh no, I've got it. Here is a. Uh, this is uh, what uh, David Oakes is one of the actors in it, and his uh, favourite response was "Call of Duty Nazi Zombie Mode, but with fish." And that kind of <laughs> that's kind of what it's like, especially like because it's it's set in like like uh, like ye olden times, so it's like old rifles and stuff like that they're using. Like it's set in ye olden times. It's set after uh, at the First World War, Scott. <laughs> right? Yeah. Aye. Probably <laughs> about maybe a month before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what happened to you? Nice to me. Um, <laughs> I so it's like those oh, it's old those old uh, Call of Duty rifles and stuff, and and the the lighthouse like spins round, and at night the the fish people like come attacking the the lighthouse, and it is just like that's what exactly what it's like. It's like a Call of Duty game, just um, taking them out. It's but it is, it's a fantastic film, and it's and it's and it's crazy as well the way that like this um, we fish person is like they've they've done the makeup and that that it is a fish person but it's also very very human at the same time and you totally feel for like how she's getting treated and you totally love the love story between the the younger man and the the fish uh, fish woman and you just you wish that they would um bang would you fuck a fish if it looks human 
If it was a fish with legs, would you fuck it? No. Oh, what no. you mean is, if I, oh, if I was a fish, would I fuck a fish? If I was another fish, <laughs> you bet your speed ass. This guy said he'd fuck a fish. <laughs> Aye, this movie's outstanding. Well acted. The cinematography is unreal. And the Call of Duty thing, if that was actually on the poster, it made me want to see it even more. Yeah. That is, that, is a, that is a brilliant summary. Yeah, they totally put it on the poster. I, I, I would reckon so. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a, it's a really, really fantastic movie. And it kind of, it moves at a decent pace as well. And it makes you feel, it makes you feel different things for the characters at different times. Um, but uh, Lauren pointed a really good thing. I was asking her what she thought of it afterwards. And um, she, she really liked it as well. But she felt that they portrayed the older character i can't forget his name Gru- gruber gruber gruner they, they portrayed him as is a full-on evil man with like almost even though he was a wee bit nice to the younger man he he then um betrayed him almost by shutting him out on the balcony one of the nights where the fish people were coming to attack them but he also got a small glimpse of when he looked at a photo back at his like his life with his wife and daughter and you don't get a flashback of what happened to them to then say like this is then how he's ended up where he's ended up because when you get to the end of the movie spoiler spoiler spoilers the young guy is in the same position as Gruner was at the start of the movie so it's like a, it's like a flip you know it's like yeah. it's like taking it it's like a repeating it so you don't get to see how he becomes the man that he became because obviously he didn't he didn't arrive on an island like that that's that yeah. is, came over time uh, but that's only the small criticism. Other than that, it's a, it's a fantastic movie, and I will. That's one look forward to watch again after when it when it gets any form of release. Definitely. What would you give it out of ten? Um, that one. I'm going to go eight again. Eight fish fingers out of ten. I'm going to go nine. Uh, I absolutely loved this. I just I thought it was absolutely beautiful looking, uh, and I'd never realised just how much I am into bestiality <laughs> till this year. Uh, well, now all I actually think about is possibly fucking a humanoid fish. Uh, so definitely a nine. What did you give Ravenous? And I'll cut this in because we never we never rated it. Um, I would give Ravenous. Uh, see, I, I do I relate it, but as well the um, slight questions and issues. So I'm going to give it uh, an eight as well. Eight weird go karts out of ten. I am going to give Ravenous a seven. I did really like it. I'd definitely watch it again. I think it might actually creep up to an 8 after a rewatch, but compared to the other movies around it, like I enjoyed Cold Skin more, I enjoyed Attack of the Bat Monsters more, so I couldn't just start giving everything 8. Despite what everyone kept saying, that I was just giving everything the same fucking way, <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd give Ravenous a 7. And the end of Friday Night, it finished with a, a movie called Primal Rage. Oh, which Duncan Duncan really built me up for because he couldn't make it and he said, "Oh, it's meant to be really good." It was not. <laughs> you know, what, I'm starting to think that Duncan's some kind of like movie genius, right? Well, I know he's a movie genius, but you know, what I mean, he he um, was like, "Oh, I can't stay for the last movie, but you guys stay for it. It's really, really good." And then he's like there first thing in the morning to see the next movie, which we'll talk about when we get to. But he didn't stay for Primal Rage. And I think he knew fine well that Primal Rage was going to be fucking Primal Bullshit because (laughs) if you say the Wanderers at the start of the day didn't know what it was, this movie didn't know what it was. And honestly, we're going to spoil the shit out of it because none of you should watch this movie, honestly. 
this movie did know what it was. This movie knew it was an amateur production of Predator. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was directed by Patrick McGee. It starred Casey Gagliardi and Andrew Joseph Montgomery. It was a European premiere and the synopsis is Lost deep in the forest in the Pacific Northwest, Ashley and her ex-convict husband Max are stalked by a terrifying creature the locals call Omar. Soon they find themselves forced to face nature's harshness, a band of unsavoury hunters and become embroiled in a strange land of Native American legend turned absolutely real in a life or death battle. Yeah, that's this. It wasn't... I didn't feel it was as bad as I think you found it, but the, the fact it was on late at night and dragged out, I just I was really just dying for it to end. Yeah, and that's the thing as well because it could have ended. Some some movies could end like 10, 15 minutes before they do. This movie could have ended forty five minutes before it did. Like I literally was we're watching the, the the end and they're running about the woods and I was like oh, fuck I need to go to the toilet and burst for a piss. I went to the toilet, came back and literally felt as if nothing had changed, as if they had stood in the woods and waited for me coming back before they moved on with the story. Yeah, definitely. The start, I thought this 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 could be fun. This could be good, and then by the end, I was just yeah, fucking just turn this Aye. off. Just let me let me go home. There's no there was no need for him to be an ex-con. There was no need for the two of them to be naked for the majority of the movie. There was no need for Bigfoot to be wearing fucking a wooden face mask and running about with a bow and arrow. And there's no need for it to be part of Native American culture because they tried to say that Native American chiefs died and were reincarnated as Bigfoot, which is bullshit because it just makes Native American people sound like assholes. And then there's some fucking weird witch in the middle of it, plus fucking some like dancey ritual crap and then a really pointless end scene where nobody's get out, she gets out of the woods but she's not out of the woods because she's fucking two feet away from where the fucking boyfriend left her pish I know last podcast do it but is big feet the plural of bigfoot well yeah of course it is it I don't know is it yeah it is you say you say yeah, big, feet. big feet so is it big feet or is big it foots. just multiple bigfoot bigfoot eye big, two bigfoot Bigfoot's... Two big feet. Two big feet. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> do you know what? I hate this movie so much I don't even care. And I'm not, and I'm not rating it. I'm not rating it. I don't recommend any of you watch it. I do think in uh, Fish agreed with me uh, the best Bigfoot movie of all time Harry and Anderson's. Harry Anderson's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, and they probably should just stop trying to make Bigfoot movies because nothing will ever top Harry and the Hendersons and just deal with it. Absolutely not. Accept it, man. So you're not going to rate it? Nope. I gave it a five uh, because... They're way too high, man. <laughs> I think watching it with fresh eyes, not having sat in the cinema all day, there's probably bits of it that I would have enjoyed. The acting, uh, I wasn't keen on. I thought it, it seemed a bit kind of amateur at times. The Bigfoot tree masks that you said, I actually really liked how they were done. If it was meant to be a comedy movie, like they, they, were, they were cool looking... But if it's a serious, we're hunting Bigfoot film, then no, don't put masks on them. Yeah. And yeah, so a five. My life fades. The vision dims. All that remains are memories. I remember a time of chaos. Ruined dreams, wasted land, but most of all, I remember the podcasts, the man we called Witch.
to understand who he was, you have to go back to another time. A time when the doomsday clock ticked ever closer to Armageddon. You can still find The Witch versus the Doomsday Clock podcast by searching for WYCH on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Memories may decline, but movies live forever. So we went home, we had a sleep, and the next day we went in and... Do you want to talk about it? Uh, well, yeah, we, we, we missed the first movie because none of us can get up early enough. Um, <laughs> and we got in and we went to a little hipster cafe and got some fancy cheese and toast. And, uh, very, very pretentious cheese and toast. <laughs> and uh, then we made it for movie two. But I just want to say, because we can't, we can't rate and review the first movie, which is called uh, er- Erementari, uh, we were um, told by Duncan that it was absolutely the tits. So that is one that we, um, but I want to get my hands on to, to see at some point. I'm going to refuse to watch it because, like every other year at Fright Fest, the movie that I miss ends up becoming like my favourite movie of all time, and yeah. I can't, I can't handle that self disappointment again. So if I just don't watch it, I'll never you'll, know you'll how much I would. Yeah, how much I'd have loved it. Uh, so the pretentious cafe was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was a strange one. It was, uh, it was not. It was like not on a main road. It was like a wee building. It looked like nothing from the outside, and then you walk in, and it is fucking packed to the rafters, full of people and staff and stuff. And you're like, "Whoa, what? Even fucking know this is here?" <laughs> so while we were enjoying a lovely hipster breakfast, Duncan was in watching possibly the best movie of the year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that cheese and ham toasty thing that we ate was not good enough to miss that film. Ah, uh, no, I'm sorry, but I got I got some um, fried halloumi. That was lovely. Uh, your meal was this, your whole breakfast was essentially just different types of cheese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the cheesiest breakfast that I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, I love cheese. <laughs> uh, so then we went on to the European premiere of a Pie Wacket, oh, directed yeah, yeah. by Adam McDonald, uh, starring Nicole Munoz, Laurie Holden, and Chloe Rose. The synopsis is confused and enraged for being forced to move away from school friends after her father dies. Leah performs a blood incantation calling on an evil entity to punish her grieving mother. Immediately regretful, too late she realises she can't reverse the ritual curse and an unholy presence now stalks them both in their rural home. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed Pie Wacket. I had a, I had a couple of questions but I, on, on reflection I'm enjoying this one more than I did when I first come out the screen um, and this one's getting a release on I think it was on video on demand and maybe on physical copy like at the end of April so you'll be able to watch this film um, pretty soon so I'll try not to spoil this one too much but I definitely do have some questions yeah. don't don't spoil the ending because I think the, the kind of last segment in this movie really makes it so if I was listening to us and you spoiled it I'd want to kick your cunt in so don't right. do it okay I'll <laughs> But I will just say that the end of this movie is like one of the most intense, best kind of sequences I have ever seen. Like, like even if I wasn't fully engrossed in the full movie, that just that end part, I was like, oh, holy shit! It gets it some extra points just the way that that last part's done. Yeah, because it was fucking gnarly. It came out yeah. of left field with all guns blazing. 
Yep. Uh, and I think basically what my questions are is that there was there's one scene in the middle uh, involving a friend. Yep. That to me changes the whole plot of the whole movie. If that didn't happen involving a friend, then I would have been on board with this movie one hundred percent, and it would probably be my favourite of the whole weekend. But with the friend, it changes where the standpoint of this movie is, um, whether. Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, I'm not spoiling it, but basically it changes the standpoint and what it all kind of means, if it even means anything. See, I went away and thought about this and when discussing the movies with Lena and stuff, talked about it. I, I'm thinking if you look at it from one point of view, then yeah, what happened to our friend didn't make sense. But if you look at it as a, that everything that happened did actually happen, then what happened to our friend is understandable and I don't think that takes away from the movie at all if that makes sense yeah I like how we spoiled everything else but I really <laughs> I, I really do think the ending makes this movie and I would hate I would hate for us to spoil it for someone else because yeah. I think a lot of folk would enjoy this I'll agree with that yep I'll agree with that uh, so I gave Piwack a 7 uh, I really enjoyed it it's one that I would de- it's a very slow burn but I would definitely buy it on DVD if it came out and definitely check it out again. I like the soundtrack. I liked the constant hymn references. Yeah, I was on board with that. Like, how many hymn band references can you fit into a movie? The answer is about fucking 19, and it happened in the first 10 minutes of this yeah. one. Uh, so, what would you give it? Uh, I'd give it um, seven wee goth birds out of 10. It's a lot of wee goth birds. Yeah. So, we went on to Friendly Beast after this. It was a Brazilian. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brazilian. I think that's right, yeah. It was directed by Gabriela Amaral Almeida and the cast are people that I don't know. I don't know if it's anything <laughs> yeah. else. Just so. try, try and pronounce other names. <laughs> uh, yeah. Murillo Benicio, Luciana Paez, Aaron Dios Santos. Oh, that was quite good. No, that was all right, yeah. Yeah, fuck you guys. Uh, the synopsis is, it's nearly closing time at a struggling restaurant. Staff want to go home while the boss struggles with money troubles and a desire for more power in his life. Enters two robbers, the catalyst for a violent situation which the boss is initially able to contain and gain the upper hand. Suddenly, the already dangerous and explosive situation turned deadly. Sides are taken and people turn to the most abhorrent behaviour in an instant. That synopsis actually explained some of the bits of the movie that I did not get. Yeah. Are we going to spoil this one? Eh. Well, we'll try and we'll try and keep spoilers to a minimum. Yeah. But basically, um, that, but this but this movie, you obviously get the robbers come in, and there's only what is there three or four staff in the place? Uh, three three staff, two robbers, and three customers. Yeah. Um, one one set of customers is a couple, and they when they kind of grab the woman of this couple, the guy's wife. They've been pretentious assholes like to begin with, but then they grab the wife and they kind of like sexually assault her in front of everybody um, using their fingers just so you know what kind of is but it, do you know it was done in a way that it, that it did look kind of real you know it was like watching it and I guess that you always kind of think if you're in a relationship and you watch a, a scene like that you think well if that was me sitting there like I'd 
be raging, or obviously <laughs> raging, but do you know what I mean? Like, they set this one up there. <laughs> so, sorry, hold on. Understatement, essentially. <laughs> if I was fingered in a restaurant against my will, I would be raging. <laughs> no, 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 if I, if I was watching somebody finger Lauren against their will. <laughs> you take that to a real level there. Yeah, but it was like... <laughs> don't put don't put names to it. <laughs> because, because the guy is sitting down and he becomes a coward, and that's like typical, that happens, like in scenarios... All across the board. That's almost a cliche for this couple, but it it, it it was it was filmed and acted in a way that it felt quite it felt real, and it was like oh, because it's not it's it wasn't like a a long lingering assault. It was a very quick, but it was just like in a power stripping assault, almost like just to say like this we're here and we're, we all can do whatever the hell we want kind of thing. Because yeah. you know, and it, it was it was just quite you're like oh, fuck. But this movie flips. This movie flips the power like three or four times um, between who's who's in charge and who's got um, who's got control, and and the character arcs flip so much. There's like what two, three characters that have got huge arcs right throughout this movie, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it fully works or not. It's a single location movie. It happens all within this restaurant, and it mainly focuses. I see your main character are probably the boss of the restaurant. He probably gets the most time although the waitress probably it obviously ends up being the kind of main the main focus i'd say the waitress was the main focus yeah. from my point of view you're probably right but so they've got these kind of flipping character arcs as they go through it they they their whole personalities is changing throughout um they, they had a lot of uh use of mirrors in this they kept going in the bathroom and looking in the mirror and obviously in movies a mirror's a chance for self-reflection and then three quarters or halfway three quarters of the way through the movie the owner smashes the mirror and then that's that changes the reflection again your self-reflection because you're not looking at your full self you're looking at a broken self um or, or something that you can never go back to you've changed so much you can never go back to how you used to be and that kind of does reflect those characters because they take steps to um because they overpower the robbers and then um then like you know kind of take some revenge and whatever else and the fucking the owner of the restaurant just goes batshit and but to me, right, I thought, am I going to, I, I kind of want to spoil a wee bit about this, like how it ends up, what they what they were going to do. You're probably better not spoil it. Uh, uh, right, okay, I right, I won't spoil it. Yeah, I won't spoil it, because <laughs> it, it, it is a movie worth watching. Actually, it was it was quite enjoyable. It wasn't, um, however, one thing, again, this is when I was talking, reflecting this one back with Lauren, there is a sex scene in this movie, and I wasn't entirely sure if it was played for laughs or not, because it was a bit, it was quite extreme, like you know, it was. It didn't seem normal. It, it, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't sexy, and I think that's the point. It was maybe supposed to be more kind of real or more raw, but uh, it almost went to this level of comical for me. I don't know. I think the the sex scene, you can tell it was a a female director because the sex scene I think was played more that the the woman, the waitress, was getting the most enjoyment out of it. Yeah. Uh, the sex was for her rather than the way it is in most movies where the sex is for the guy yeah it's the guy that's taking over it's the guy that's taking control it's the guy that wants sex in that moment yeah this was definitely on the other hand where no the woman's in power here which I liked about it mm-hmm. but the rest of the movie I felt there's a, there's a comedy movie called Gravy uh, it's all set in a restaurant it stars see one of the McPoyles from It's Always Sunny yeah uh, it has him in it and it's very similar to this it's like it happens in a restaurant there's deaths and 
blah 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 so I kept thinking back to that movie which I thoroughly enjoyed and it really kind of ruined this for me a lot of the time I didn't really know what was happening or care uh, I didn't really care about any of the characters it, it fell a wee bit flat for me there was a, a, a few good scenes uh, a few memorable scenes the sex scene I was absolutely choking <laughs> I was as well when you, when you said what you're about to say I was feeling the exact same thing as you <laughs> I was like hey, I really need to pee I really need to pee and then the sex scene happened and I was like oh shit I can't go I was like because everyone's just going to look at me and be like that guy's just going to talk to Rob one out oh, yeah. he's just away for a chug so I had to hold it in even longer yeah. uh, and then eventually I think everybody else in the cinema did because before this quite a few folk yeah, they were, they? but at the sex scene nobody <laughs> fucking moved so it was obviously a common a, a common feeling yeah. but yeah this fell a wee bit flat for me and I gave it a a five because it wasn't a bad movie it just wasn't one that I personally enjoyed yeah I'll give it um, I'll give it a six sandal wearing chefs so a ten <laughs> Uh, that's actually not a spoiler I, yeah. I thought you were going <laughs> to give something away there we went on to the next film which was fucking bonkers it was called Secret Santa I absolutely loved this film this uh, was in my top three uh, it, you know what it, it absolutely got me I was like loudly laughing at all the jokes it offends everybody at the same time I um, there's a guy a comedian in it called Drew Lynch who I'd recognise because his America's Got Talent um, uh, audition went viral um, a couple of years ago he was if any of you remember he was the guy who came on he was a, a baseball player in high school he was a jock he was going to get scholarships and all the rest of it and then somebody slid into home plate and kicked him in the throat fucked up his vocal cords and gave him a stutter uh, and then so completely changed his life and, and he's weak in a sob story looking back and he's additionally was saying how like you know like baseball me wouldn't talk to who who I am now because I used to think that people were lucky to talk to me and now I've got like you know like I mean I've got this disability and um, I've got more time for you know myself and everybody else and he it's a different kind of stutter do you know what I mean it's, it's almost like it's just I don't know the way that he delivers and stuff and I just thought so anyway he so I was I was already engaged because I recognised one of the characters but this it just goes it turns up to 11 it really really does it's do you know what I mean and it's I, I, you know what I don't I don't know I've got loads to say about it but I really have been talking for a bit there so what, what did you think before we, we jump in the synopsis yeah yeah yeah. it was directed by Adam Marcus and the synopsis is the Pope's family Christmas Eve dinner can, 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 can I just jump in see when I read about this when we first knew about this I, um, I read the the Pope's family Christmas not the Pope family Christmas and I was like, "Holy fuck!" The Pope's family Christmas, and I was I was one hundred percent on board. And then I realised I was quite wrong, but it's still a good movie. See, that would have actually ruined it for me. I would have then uh, if, if the Pope didn't come on stage, I'd be like, "This is a load of fucking shit, <laughs> fucking miss selling this." Uh, so the Pope family, the Pope family's <laughs> Christmas Eve dinner goes horribly and hilariously wrong when someone puts something in the party punch, causing everyone to tell the unvarnished truth at the already dysfunctional holiday reunion. When the head of the household psychopathically freaks out, the scene is set for murderous mayhem and splatterific revenge as the deviant relatives reveal their long buried hatreds and festering loathings. So yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed this. The jokes hit with me. Some of the, the kind of low-budget effects were slightly off-putting, but it definitely, I could overlook it because 
some of the jokes and some of the actual set pieces were fucking hilarious. Yeah, I thought the, the I thought the acting was all on point, and I thought the script was very much hilarious. Um, I thought though, you know what? There was a couple of things. So it looked like a like it looks like a well put together movie, right? And then there was a couple of scenes. It was and it's the first time I've kind of really ever noticed it. Um, within the same movie, there was a scene towards the end where it showed the living room from a different angle, and I could and I, and I seen the whole the whole living room if that makes sense. Whereas before, it was like. I felt like I was watching a movie, it was potentially on set, even if it's filmed inside an actual house, then it showed you a different scene and it just looked like a, a home movie. Does that make sense? I don't know yeah. if maybe the lighting was yeah. off and it was yeah. just I could see all the angles and all the corners of the room and it just looked like a different experience than, than watching a movie. You know, when you see like a polished movie and you can tell the difference between like a home, like, you know, something that I'd film myself and something that's professionally done. It was just that one kind of cut scene. Something shite and something professional. Yeah, it was just that one scene that I can and I saw that. But that's not that's not a detriment at all because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I genuinely love it. I cannot wait till it's got a release because I'm going to buy it and I'm going to watch it every Christmas. Um, I actually was telling uh, was on Twitter um, discussing like how much like this one, telling like the the cast and stuff, and the guy who plays Uncle Carter, uh, Curtis Forte, yep. he got back to us on Twitter and it ended up with a chat back and forth about, uh, with him about it and stuff and then the director come on and say like thanks for you know talking about it and then he uh, said to me are you getting a Blu-ray release he says yeah we've got so much behind this cool behind the scenes stuff that we're definitely going for a Blu-ray release so it is a movie that hopefully we'll all get to see again and all you guys will get to see it um, you know at least once I, I totally agree with you that I can see myself watching this every Christmas yeah. for the rest of my life. Because it's one of the ones, like, if you put it on every Christmas, you can put it on where you're wrapped presents and it's just on in the background because it's daft and it's yeah. ridiculously gory and ridiculously offensive and it's all set at Christmas. So it's got a massive Christmas feel about it. It really is a, a fantastic, brilliant movie. So what would you give it out of 10? I am going to give it um, nine literal skull fucks out of 10. <laughs> In my head, I knew you were going to rate it out of Skull Fox. I, I just fucking knew it. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I'd watch it every Christmas. Again, some of the low-budget stuff took me out of it, but overall, it was a fun experience. It was a, a, the way a Christmas movie should be, that you leave laughing, you feel just good, and just I, you've actually really enjoyed the last hour and a half. I would give it a six, and although that sounds shit, it's still a very respectable six because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was just like a week of a fun roller coaster ride that I'd rewatch again and again. And definitely, if you can get a chance to watch it, then one hundred percent do. Yep. So now we go on to my favourite of the entire weekend. It's a uh, tigers are not afraid. Yeah, well, this is where I'm going to have to bow out. I'm afraid because um, I had stuff come up and I couldn't stay for the the end um, for the last two movies, so I missed tigers. And it was not a decision I took lightly, but it turns out to be um, uh, another mistake because it turns out to be the best movie of the whole weekend. <laughs> it it really was because you had left. I was like, oh shit. Even if this is brilliant, I'll still play it down to score <laughs> so not to upset him. And I watched it, and I tell you, like, that movie was fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you have missed out. You are, you are a shit. It's directed by Isa Lopez. Uh, again, butchered that name. Probably not how you pronounce the first one. <laughs> who was actually, she was there at the time. Did a Q&A after it. Uh, it was the UK premiere. The synopsis is, 
Thousands have been murdered or gone missing in the ongoing violent drug war in Mexico. The result is many orphan children living in the streets caught in the unceasing cartel crossfire. In her third work of immense beauty, pain, fear and joy, writer-director Isa Lopez tells the magical story of five such urchins making the best of their daily struggle to survive. This movie was beautiful. It was Pan's Labyrinth. It was, it was violent. It was gritty. I nearly cried three to four times. I don't like being made to cry, so I will probably never watch this again. But as a as an overall film, everything about it was perfect. Wow. It spoils it even now, like fucking nearly a week removed from watching it, I'm still there's still thoughts about it lingering in the back of my head. I'm still I'm still feeling like in a like a a body sadness about certain things that happen and I'm like that movie really fucking got under my skin which is a, a sign of a an amazing movie but I don't want to keep watching it and eventually just put myself into like a fucking depressive hole yeah and you know what that's the thing as well because like you say like it was such a great movie that that, that got to you that's all I've been seeing from um, on Twitter and on, on the Fright Fest group is that, that this one was like the, the massive winner by everybody's standards and you know what it was weird as well because see when I watched all the trailers for all these movies this is one of the ones that I put down as thinking nah this won't be that good really? yeah why? Just because... I don't know, I, th- I think... Because it didn't look like a, an over-the-top horror type thing? Yeah, I think that's what it is. It didn't look like a like a horror movie, and I just thought, ah, I'm not really I'm not really fussed with that one. It felt bit. Have you ever seen City of God? Uh, no. The Brazilian kind of one about the, the drug gangs, basically. It's an absolutely outstanding film. Not a horror at all, but it's again a film that takes you in a ride, in a ride that you might not enjoy that is quite unsettling quite hard to face up to but you still respect it for fucking for how it makes you feel and this was this was the same like it was kind of after I was quite speechless like shit movies don't usually affect me like this is it kind of like the um, the Kenko advert where the you know like the the gangs come and the tattoos changing the person's body instead of um, like saying no to gangs and uh, working on a, a coffee bean farm and get exploited for your money you join the gang and get killed is that, is that what it's like is this movie that I've just said got so under my skin that I've been thinking <laughs> about it for weeks and really unsettled me is it the same as a fucking coffee bean advert yeah, is it, no, is it, no, no it's not <laughs> is it the feature length Kenko advert <laughs> it is not the feature length no. Kenko advert I think what actually made it even more hard hitting was the fact that the director was there and there was a bit of Q&A and some of the stuff she was saying when she was admitting how you stop laughing at the I thought you were going to say do you know what made it even more hard hitting the fact that the director was a woman I was going to say whoa <laughs> <laughs> we can make no. movies <laughs> no I'm not you you're misogynist <laughs> <laughs> the, she was answering questions and someone asked like do you think this like thanks for bringing this onto the screen like to show us what's actually happening in Mexico do you think this will change anything? And she was like, no. Like, nothing, one movie's not going to change it. Yeah. But if I, I if I get what's happening in people's faces, then I maybe it can lead to something. But as she was talking, I was still like, I'm going to start, I'm actually literally going to start crying. Like, you, you were still, everything about it. You were still engrossed in her just talking about the, this experience, uh, I, like, 
waiting for the movie, yep. you know what I mean, watching the movie, it was still part of it, even just sort of talking about it. A couple of Fright Fest guys came in and were like trying to speed it up uh, with the, the Fright Fest guy that was presenting it. Like, right, come on, we've still got another movie. I was like, fucking let her talk for the next hour. Obviously, after watching the last film, please, God, I wish you'd talked <laughs> for the last hour and a half. Uh, but her English was amazing. Everything she spoke about, she was down to earth. Someone said about the, the drug thing in Mexico and she was like, well, I, I'm against drugs, but not all drugs. Like, obviously she loves a fucking smoke. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man. Uh, she's now pals with uh, Guillermo del Toro because she kept trying to get, like, she kept trying to show him the script and then show him the, like, the first version of the movie, the second version, because she thought, oh, he'll love this. Mm-hmm. And then I think then, like, Mexican media eventually hounded him so much that he watched it and he messaged her like that is uh, it's a brilliant film it's beautiful and they're now like pen pals and when she said that I was like technically that means that I'm also pen pals with God yeah, the total, because I am in the same room yeah I'm in the same room as you eh, everything about it I can't I can't say enough good things and I think it's really up there as a contender for best of the year along with Shape of Water wow eh, so who wins We'll see at the end of the year, but I think it'll be between those two because I, if if a movie comes out that beats this and beats Shape of Water, then I think I'll just fucking I'll, I'll pass out with ejaculate climax and I'll never wake up. It's a good, it's a good way to go. It's <laughs> a good way to go. Uh, and then the last film was called 60 Minutes to Midnight it was shite don't watch it right, that's it <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a an action an 80s slash 90s action film homage uh, directed by Neil Mackay starring right do you remember at the very start of our kind of podcast life on Twitter we were sent a few shots uh, I can't remember I think one was called like Feed uh, it, it was three of them one was about a guy it was like a paedophile in a car with a wee boy no I think that Can was you... I think that was sent to your private account <laughs> I think that was my life yeah. uh, right I, I can't I, I need to get the name of them but it was three shots we were sent and we were going to review them and we, we really I remember you enjoying them as well the, the main guy from it was Robert Nolan an Australian actor who was outstanding in the short films, like it really, it, it made you feel uneasy, it made you feel weird. Well, he's in this, and I don't know what's happened to him because there was not one redeemable quality about this movie. Yeah. Like it, it was, I don't like, so to me it was shit. Obviously, other people might enjoy it. Yeah. But honestly, the last, it's an hour and 23 minutes, and it's an hour and 23 minutes. I'd literally, I'd rather went out and just sat in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was shite. The, the synopsis is, uh, it's Hogmanay in 1999 and former soldier Jack Darcy wakes to find himself mysteriously entered into a murderous new TV game show, uh, The Running Man. Uh, he has 60 minutes to kill or be killed by a group of strange armed men who surrounded his house, but what his would-be assassins haven't realised is that Jack has learnt a few tricks from his military days, he has a hidden bunker full of weapons and he isn't going down without a vicious fight. That synopsis is fucking bullshit because although he's got a bunker full of weapons, he does not get into the bunker until the last three minutes of the movie. Really? So what the fuck is the point in saying that? 
again, maybe it was because it was a late night watch and I wanted to go home. It was stupid, but not in a not in a funny way. It was just guns, just guns, 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 guns. At one point, they shot out the front of his house for like a good four to five minutes, and none of the windows get shot out. In the next scene, there wasn't a bullet hole in the front of the house, and you're like, oh, "Come on, put a, a slight bit of effort in." Some uh, of Robert Nolan's acting wasn't that bad. I think it was more like what he was working with that was shit. Uh, there was actors playing like the the kind of military that went after him. That for a good fifty seconds showed you the same guy as if he's looking in the bushes for him and the guy kept looking at the camera directly into the camera and you're like oh if you're the editor why have you not seen that and cut that the fuck out yeah it annoyed me on a level that I shouldn't have been annoyed walking out of Fright Fest after Tigers Are Not Afraid like I went from I went from delightful happiness for Secret Santa to the saddest I've ever felt after Tigers Are Not Afraid to the fucking most wound up I've ever been for 60 minutes to midnight it just it's not it's not a good movie yeah I'm kind of glad I missed that one then to be honest with you I'd give it a 2 out of 10 because I don't actually know why it, it was a rip off for the running man it was uh, it was just my mum always said if there's, if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all so I should probably have said that like five minutes ago before <laughs> I started talking about this movie but yeah it's not one that I would ever watch again it's not one I would recommend it's not one that I would ever look out for or if you ever see it it's not one that I would watch out of even interest it just it was a non-event for me yeah. and I think it was a non-event for the majority of the crowd because the the applause after it was kind of started to begin with and I think it only happened because the producer was sitting down the bottom yeah. uh, the producer who incidentally did a Q&A at the start uh, talked about how his Tinder was going absolutely mental uh, and he had a few dates with ladies over the weekend and everyone applauded <laughs> And as I've said in the group, Glasgow literally just applauded a man for being a top shagger. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Glasgow. I did kind of put my foot in it, though. I, I spoke to Duncan and Boz after it, and I was like, "That uh, I don't know how I'll get like the last hour and a half back. I need to like clear my, mem- uh, my just my memories. Turned around, and the producer walked right past <laughs> me. I was like, oh, he definitely 100% heard that. So... I felt bad until, upon reflection, I talk about the movie now, where I don't feel quite as bad. Yeah, that's the thing though. You can't, you, you can't, you can't like everything. You can't like everything, and I say there's maybe there's maybe some fan base out there that this movie's for. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm not one of them. So my personal opinion is, don't bother with it. But each to their own. Hi, all you teenage comet zombies. This is Kelly Maroney, and you're listening to Scott and Liam versus Evil. So that was Fright Fest. Another fantastic weekend, is, uh, if you do ask me. Absolutely loved it. Can't wait till next year. Yep. Hopefully, there's no weather issues. Yeah. Everything goes well. All the directors, all the producers, all the actors that are meant to be there can get there, and we drink red wine again. Yeah. And one of these years, we're going to go to the one in London, the August Bank Holiday one. 
I don't know if I can handle that because that's like 60 odd movies I know but they're all happening at the same time so you need to then decide which ones to go to and we'll definitely pick all the wrong movies and miss all the best ones and sit and watch like 360 minutes to midnight in a row do you know what that's the thing see if that was this year and it was between 60 minutes to midnight and Tigers Are Not Afraid I would 100% have picked 60 minutes to midnight Right, on on first what like looks at them, yeah, yeah, just on the the idea of it, on the the poster and stuff, and I said no, definitely sixty minutes to midnight, and then I would have come out, heard what everyone said about tigers are not afraid, and I would just have ran in head first into traffic because <laughs> I, I, I absolutely hate myself. <laughs> uh, so any any summary of Fright Fest anything else you want to say basic summary of Fright Fest is that it's a fantastic weekend it is um, well we didn't fully talk to like a bunch of folk um, we certainly met Duncan there and then we were introduced to Boz while we were there as well um, who's a cracking guy and his wife's lovely as well and it's just a great atmosphere um, everybody's you know there just watching the movies the films um, it's one thing I hate about going to the cinema is uh, an unruly audience or an audience that will talk through it or an audience that will just maybe not fully enjoy the movie in the same way that I do. I, th- I feel like a Fright Fest audience, everybody is there and appreciative of the movies. And even if they're not that good, there are, there's a, a bigger allowances given to these movies. So la- people are laughing, people respond to gory headshots and the rest of it. It's, it. It just feels like it's a good you know environment to sit and watch these movies in. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yep. There was actually there was one story uh, at just before, after Secret Santa, we'd went to get food and we forgot that you and Lauren had to leave. So we had ordered Jay's a pizza uh, to bring back and the woman, the girl was like, oh no, we don't have any kind of doggy bags or, or boxes, but we could give you tinfoil. Like, tinfoil will be fine because we're just going to sneak it in uh, and when they come back, they'll get something to eat. And then so she went away, waited food, came back, got the pizza and put it in a gigantic pizza box. <laughs> like, literally, we're going back to the cinema. What the fuck are we meant to do with this? Uh, and then obviously they knew you just had to run away. So we're like, oh shit, we now have this pizza box. <laughs> like, could you not just wrap on tinfoil? It'd be easier to hide. So we tried to find a homeless man to give the pizza to. Turns out that there's no homeless men in Glasgow when the snow is severe. Yeah, because they're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Uh, So we actually, Lena had to put the pizza under her jacket and sneak it in. And then I ate it at like two in the morning that night. It was delicious. That's good. So So that's a positive. (laughs) That's that's the positive. Always always ending a positive. Uh, Fright Face was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Tigers Are Not Afraid was my favourite movie. 60 Minutes to Midnight was my least uh, and everything we've said go check out definitely do if you can yep uh, have you watched anything else since Fright Fest anything um, worth talking about I haven't watched anything else no no <laughs> uh, I'm on movie 91 of my 365 I can't believe you're still doing that uh, yeah can I uh, obviously Fright Fest added 11 movies on so yeah. that's that's kind of cheating a little bit but I'm definitely going to make the 365. Yeah. I've, I've shunned everything else in my life, like work, Lena, the cat, <laughs> family. Like, generally, all I want to do is watch movies. Uh, so I don't think, I think by the end of the year, I'll watch 365 brand new ones, but I won't have any friends or family left. Because <laughs> they'll shun me, not because they'll all be dead. <laughs> uh, so, but I think, that's, I think that's a small price to pay for sticking to my new year resolution yeah well i think so yeah i think so <laughs> uh, so 
Thanks for listening. Yeah, it's a bumper edition. Thanks for listening over the past two years. Yeah. Our listens just keep going up. People keep coming to the group. It's absolutely brilliant. We've met some amazing people. And I really love this little podcast roller coaster ride that we've been on. And thank you, Scott, for yeah. sticking with me for two years. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Liam, for doing the same. And can I just say that I love like our group just now as well. I think it's some really good interaction. But see the day that we get that people post pictures in, in the group is somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer and say, "Who is this?" Wrong answers only. You have I have you have my permission to come round here and kick me square in the balls because <laughs> I will not be able to stand it if we get that big that people are fannies in our group. Right now, it's really quite good and quite quite fun. Yeah, I, I think it will take a long time to get to the the last podcast in the left yeah. group where everyone is just a fucking scumbag. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think we've got a long way to go. Yeah, so it's been brilliant. It's been a brilliant two years. It's been a lot of fun. We've seen a lot. Of, we've watched a lot of shit, and I've made you watch a lot of stuff that isn't now your new favourite movie. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the next episode will be the group pick which has obviously been announced it is Houseu or House the Japanese fucking head fuck that I I've actually this is probably the most I'm looking forward to an episode ever because I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about this it, film it's a, it's a full on blind watch for me I'm going to watch it Monday and I think our schedule is to record it on Monday evening as well so we will get it straight straight away my reaction you'll get it <laughs> oh, a, I can't wait I'm actually going to put a countdown on my phone looking <laughs> forward to, to Monday uh, so if you like listening to our podcast you can also catch me I've done a guest spot on Darren's show uh, the Psycho Semantic Cast you can find it in the group or search Psycho Semantic Cast or Psycho Semantic Podcast on iTunes and you can hear me giggle nervously for like an hour and 50 minutes like it's actually it's the giggle of a man who thinks he's about to be sexually assaulted and I have no idea why I kept doing it but I did so you can listen to that it's actually it's quite it's quite fun it's actually quite a good episode I've listened to and it's uh, it's quite good quite informative there's a lot of chat about punk music there's a lot of some politics in there that doesn't sound out of place from you given your opinions it's actually quite a good episode I recommend to listen to and then continue to listen to Darren's podcast as well when you say actually like five times it makes me think (laughs) I'm really genuinely surprised (laughs) that it was a good episode (laughs) obviously because you've spoke to me over 62 episodes <laughs> I can understand your surprise uh, but yeah check out uh, the Psychosemantic podcast check out the podcast Under the Stairs we've obviously kept name name dropping Duncan there uh, and yeah comment in the group fucking chat to us give us recommendations and just yeah be our friend yeah where can you find us uh you can find us on Facebook. Just search uh, groups, uh, Scott and Liam versus Evil. You'll get us on Twitter at Scott and Liam versus, and you'll get us on Instagram at Scott and Liam versus Evil. I used to tell people to uh, email us as well, but nobody does, so don't bother. Yeah, we literally receive like three <laughs> emails a week, and two of them are for Twitter telling us, oh, do you want to catch up on your recent notifications? <laughs> yeah, we'll see you guys soon with the Houseu episode. Can't wait. Peace. A good guy's a dead one. A good guy's the one that brings the fire. A good guy's a dead one. A good guy's the one that brings the fire. Good luck.